Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week, my special guest is Kingsley Ben-Adir, who plays Malcolm X in the movie One Night in Miami. The film has recently been nominated for three Oscars, and when I spoke to Kingsley, it had just been announced that he'd been nominated for the BAFTA EE Rising Star Award. We'll hear from him after this clip. Oh, my goodness. Cash. Cash? Why am I so pretty? <laughs> Hey, congratulations, champ. I can get used to that. Uh, I was made in America, land of the free home of the brave. This movement that we are in is called a struggle because we are fighting for our lives. This ain't about civil rights. They ain't giving black people what they really want. What's that? Hey, I was made in America. That's why I'm out here saved in America. Power. Black power. I like the sound of that. Uh, I wish I lived in America. We have to be there for each other. Uh, heard everybody rich. All I gotta do is run, jump, kick. I'm a kid in your area. Uh, I done made it to America. Uh, I'm amazed uh, at America. Welcome to America. Okay, so let's begin by saying, uh, Kingsley, congratulations on the on the EE nomination. How long have you known? Thanks, Mark. I've known for too long. <laughs> I feel like maybe maybe three four weeks or something like that. So okay, been, so tell yeah. us t- tell us what it, tell us how you found out and tell us what it means to you. Donna and Laura called me and and uh, and said that I'd been <laughs> I've been nominated, but you're not allowed to tell anyone for ages. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I was just just a su- surprised and and just uh, yeah, so just a wonderful feeling to be connected to s- such a prestigious award i just look back and i so many people have been nominated over the years who i who i love as actors so and actresses so much like there's people people have been nominated over the years who are whose whose work i just look forward to seeing so much yeah and so i guess surreal is yeah you know a little bit surreal uh, how much does all that stuff i mean i know you know people are i mean here's my own experience of it right awards don't mean anything until you get nominated for one at which point they suddenly mean an awful lot <laughs> how important is it to you I, I i won't listen i don't i don't i don't want to i can't i don't want to sit here and say that they're not important because i don't, <laughs> I don't want to like poo on the, the thing that i'm i'm experiencing today but it's listen it's 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 nice to be honored and thought of and and uh and especially today i was looking at some of the younger 
artists who who had been nominated and was just I've been so wowed by their work and I was just like this is this is gonna open up so many incredible doors for you guys I don't think Buki's 20 you know she's she's still in her teens and I was just yeah then you you suddenly I suddenly felt the scale of it Chopin and I have been you know <laughs> we've been auditioning you know around here for almost you know over a decade so we we you know uh, we knew each other a little bit, but I, I, I feel like it's, it's special. It was special for all of us in a different way. Yeah. Um, but yes, as I said, some of my favorite actors and actresses, Licky Stanfield, Jesse Buckley, Michael Fassbender, you know. So yeah, it feels, it feels cool. Cool. Now listen, before we start talking about One Night in Miami, I just want to, am I right in thinking that you were born or grew up in Barnet? My passport, yeah, I think the hospital, I think I was born in Barnet Hospital, but moved to Kentish Town pretty soon after. Oh, okay. So I, ha- I, have, I have no connection to Barnet other than I think I was born in the hospital because that's what it says on my passport. Okay, but okay. But from, re- from reception, I think I went to nursery in Barnet maybe, but yeah. I, from reception from reception onwards or year one, I was firmly in Kentish Town. <laughs> you see, the reason I ask is because I'm a Barnet boy and you very, oh. very, you very, very rarely meet other, because I was just, you know, just talking about people say, you know, w- what's it like in Barnet? Go, well, it's the arse end of the Northern Line. Barnet is as far <laughs> as you can get out of London without actually getting out of London. <clears throat> My entire childhood was spent... In the in the why did I grow up in Barnet? You know why? Why is my dad's from East Barnet and we were New Barnet and the cinema so, was High Barnet and everything I knew was, was Barnet. Barnet. And so, uh, did, did you go but, to Folds? Did you go to Folds Primary School? No, I okay. went to uh, I went to St Mary's uh, Primary School, and that was uh, actually that was really lovely. I I, I I complain about it for no reason at all because St Mary's was just down the road from a really really good record shop called Loppy Logs, which I really enjoyed. But it was just like one of those things about growing up in Barnet was there's a line in the line the witch in the wardrobe in which one of the kids says we're not heroes we're from Finchley and that's exactly <laughs> that how I it, always yeah. felt about <laughs> it but I'm sure if I, if I went I'm sure if I went to Barnet now one of my best friends lives in Barnet and there's some like incredible countryside and beautiful walks that are like so close that I probably would appreciate a little bit more if I was around there now anyway look enough in enough of the reminiscing talk to us about one night in miami because uh, it's had a fantastic uh, reception um obviously based on a stage play but the most impressive thing about the film is that it's not it doesn't feel stagey it feels like a it feels like a piece of cinema so tell us about how you got that role and what that role meant to you well i guess yeah i mean that's you know ta- down to tammy and regina and and the production design and, and the conversations that were going on I've really had no idea what film I was going into because of the time from the moment Regina cast me to the first day on set, there was just a very small amount of time to prepare. So I, I just, I went into, I just went into a very narrow Malcolm X sort of minded sort of drive. Um, and I think the work, it was really, I was, I guess I was, I was just trying to understand what Malcolm was going through at that time. I feel it was a very specific moment in Malcolm's life that became more and more interesting the more and more I dug. Um, 
and just this the stress and the pressure that he must have been under around that time and the changes that were happening for him sort of blew my mind. But how, how did how what was the process of me getting the job? It came well, to me you, in the Were you familiar with the play beforehand? I remember hearing that it was going on and I remember I remember I remember I think there was an audition for the play when it was at the Donmar for Sam and I remember feeling like I can't sing. So I didn't end up going for it in the end. Um, but yeah, originally it came, the script came to me to put something on tape for Cassius Clay. And uh, I read it a couple of times and and Malcolm was really the, the part that I thought was... You know, I thought Malcolm was the best part. I thought Malcolm was the part that I would I would want to play. And and Cash really felt a bit too young. And I, I thought there's probably going to be someone else out there who's going to do a better job. So I left it. And and then four four or five months later, one of the I think the actor playing Malcolm dropped out. So there was this quick whirlwind turnaround where Regina had like a few weeks to find her Malcolm. And and uh, and yeah, and I put something on tape and. She saw it, and then we begun a, a two-week back-and-forth conversation. I know that for actors this is completely normal, but for everybody else, when you say you put something on tape, these mm-hmm. kind of self-taped auditions, how does that work? I cannot imagine how you would put something on, you know, presumably in your kitchen or in your front room. You tape. How does it work? You know, I've never been. I've never been an, someone who could get down with the whole like just putting my phone on a table and shooting in my kitchen i i I have i get i've got really superstitious and careful about the way that i send tapes over to america especially when an audition comes through that's this big and you know that regina king will be watching yeah. So I, there's a studio. Oscar winning Regina King. Do you know what I'm uh, saying? Who actually knows like, what she's doing. Yeah, right there, there's no way I would take anything on my phone to okay. send to Regina King. So I used a little bit of the savings that I had and I rented out, I rent out a studio in town where there's a proper camera operator. And I try and bring in actors who I've come up with, who I trust to come into the room and actually do real work and who are going to, try and listen and respond and like contribute in the mo- like I, I really i treat it like a filming day or i certainly did with this yeah um and the sound quality and the and it, it also it's just it's somewhere you can go get it done and then leave so you mm-hmm. don't have the whole rigmarole of having to go through all the footage and then turn it into an mp4 and then get the mp4 and do it on we transfer and then it's just the whole day just start, and then by the time you get to the end of the day you look at those tapes and you're sick of all of them and you don't even <laughs> want to send them so i feel like when there's a really special audition and they come every now and again. And Regina was definitely one of those special ones. And Malcolm, I guess, a special studio in town that I go to. Uh, yeah. That's fantastic. Because, I mean, I have, you know, I have heard of people say, so, oh, yeah, no, I, I shot it in my bed. And I just, I can't imagine how you do it. I mean, you, you, you know, you wouldn't say to a musician, oh, just record us something, in, you know, in your, in your cupboard. You just wouldn't do it. So that could completely make sense about hiring out a studio. And the second thing is, obviously, Malcolm X has a very particular voice, a very particular voice. Describe for me how you achieve that voice. I, from the moment, I remember from the moment I found out that Regina had given me the job, I, I, I didn't stop listening to him for the, from that moment all the way through. And if I wasn't listening to him, I was watching and listening to him. And if I wasn't watching and listening to him, I was 
working on text or I was on set or I was shooting a scene. He was, Malcolm was just, I didn't, I just wanted to stay with him as much as I could, even if he was just on in the background. So it was just a constant stream of his voice and his sound. And at the same time, I, I'm sort of a bit obsessed with dialect. So I have three dialect coaches, which is a little bit expensive, but <laughs> I think I, I think I just had some really, my first audition experiences in LA when I was in my twenties were really bad. And I got some really bad feedback about my accent it was a sort of a bad mixture of texan italian american african-american general it was just a weird mishmash of all these different sounds and i think the experience of being stopped in my first few auditions just gave me a really good lesson nice and early that dialect was not something to be messing around with and it was something to be for me anyway, taken really seriously. And I'm good at dialects and I can get them 70, 80% on my own, but that sort of finesse, getting it from 80 to 100, working out where the muscularity needs to change, what you actually need to physically be doing with your mouth. There are people who are trained and specialized in that and who can really, really help change the game. And so I've been lucky enough to work with Liz Himmelstein, who's one of the top, top dialect coaches in the world. We had Trey Cotton, who was on set, who was working with the boys as well. And Jamie, Jamie's an, another dialect coach I work with in LA. So I had three different opinions that I was sort of going around and I was using bits from all of them and then doing my own work. And, but yeah, Malcolm's a very, very like specific sound and you want to nail it because it's 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 the sound it's the rhythm the cadence the movement his his thought patterns the way he thinks the way he uh so yeah but it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and it's a good feeling when you connect the science of the dialect to the text and actually get it to feel real it's a it's a moment where your body your you it's a moment where your body knows that it's happened it's like yeah. you you feel when it's wrong and you cringe and then you feel when it's right because it just flows and it just goes. And so, yeah. Look, Alexander the Great conquered the whole world at the age of 30 and yeah. I conquered the world of boxing at 22 <laughs> without sustaining so much as a scratch. That's right. Oh, there he goes. You do the math. All right. When, when is this party going down? Yeah, that's a good question. What's on the agenda, Malcolm? Well, I thought this would be a wonderful chance for us to reflect on what's happened tonight. Like our young brother said, there's no denying that greater forces were at work. You mean no one else is coming? Well, rest assured, my brother, you're not missing anything. But people, people listening to this can't see, but as you're describing this, you're moving. And um, that? Part, <laughs> but no, but part of what you're doing is you're physically expressing that. And I mean, I'm really interested in the way in which voice and physicality, like for me, many of the best performances you see, it's not to do with what is said, it's to do with how it said and how mm. somebody stands while they say it. So you've talked beautifully about about uh, the, the physicality of Malcolm's voice. What about the physicality of the way he stood? What is it mm. about the stance of that that puts you into that character? I, I've... It was so important to me to lose those 20 pounds. And Regina would, you know, she, I remember her bit of time. She's like, don't worry, you know, there's a lot we can do with, with costume and suits and we can, put, you know, use baggier stuff. And I was like, just on the roof, Malcolm physically next to Cash and next to Jim needed to feel life and gangly and slender. Yeah. 
he just needed to. Jim needed to be able, he, you needed to feel like if Malcolm tried to barge Jim or Cash over, he would be knocked down himself. And naturally that I, I'm closer to Eli and Aldis in that weight. So it was, it really genuinely was, I thought for the story, I wanted to get that weight down just so he, it felt as much like Malcolm as possible. And I had in my notes, you know, that really after dissecting the text, really after understanding what the need driving Malcolm through this story was really understanding the stakes and the pressure and the life and death situation that Malcolm was in, the ticks and the nuances and the gestures of Malcolm were kind of like the icing on the cake. They were the things that I came in and tried to just, and I said, I always say to Regina jokingly, like, if I go too far, just let me know. But there's a very <laughs> particular way that Malcolm throws his hands. And there's a very particular way, there's a very particular point in Malcolm's speech where he takes his glasses off and he cleans them when you watch him over you know the amount of time I've, I spent watching him you just see these little physical details that repeat themselves yeah. and I was really trying to technically impose them in moments just to see if they worked and I guess on the edit and we lost a lot of them on the editing room floor but Regina was really I love in the edit when I first saw the film there's some of those moments she's really nurtured and tried to keep in and over the course of an hour and 15 minutes they they add up to help the you know create the feel of the feel of Malcolm without doing a caricature or an impersonation um and how much does it matter that Regina is an actor how much does that change her directing I feel like everything, I feel like it was, I, I, I look back now and I go like, I don't think anyone else could have directed this movie. I think the way she allowed us to play and explore on the floor together as actors, the way we, I mean, those big 15 page scenes, we, we were running them through each coverage setup. We were running them through. We we weren't chopping. We weren't. She was she was letting us. She was letting us get the the real flow of the scenes, and she she understands as an actor how much space you can sometimes need, and yeah. she never bombarded us with too many ideas at a time. She never there was never too many technical notes. It was always just about. What do you need? What are you going for? What's the feeling? She, it, it, it was a very acting focused set. The energy and the attention was on the performance. We we were really, really lucky. And, and I look at I look at the movie now and I feel like some of the really emotion, the most emotionally tender moments or the emotionally explosive moments really were only able to happen because of Regina. They were really, they were, they were discoveries in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, because we were allowed to play, because we were allowed to try things out, because we, because we felt safe, because we knew that Regina was only going to use the best coverage, and so I feel like the the play element of, of it really felt like a it really was, felt like a rehearsal room floor. It felt like felt like we were rehearsing, and and I think that's where the best discoveries happen when you're working in that place. Uh, and yeah, and Regina created that, and Regina. Yeah, it's all, to, all down to her, really. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. But it's interesting as well that it's, you know, it's a drama that plays out in fact, with the exception of the rooftop. And there are some external scenes, but largely it takes place within confined spaces. And I'm sitting there watching it thinking, well, firstly, I think the, the way in which the camera is moving is making this cinematic. But the second thing I'm thinking is it must have been very crowded. Now, I know that obviously when sets are done, they're built in a way that, you know, so you have more movement. But it feels to me like... How did you manage to get everyone in that space and then all the tech stuff around you? Did you feel crowded or did you feel like you had room to move and breathe? I felt like we I, I felt like we had room. The walls came down and the cameras yeah, were very strategically placed and yeah, we, we, we would rehearse and block in the morning and get very, very specific about where we would be and making sure we were using the space in the best possible way to yeah. kind of make it feel dynamic, making sure that we see characters moving through the space, walking from point A to point B in the shift. And the dance of all of that was, it was really, it was really mapped out each morning and, uh, and specific and... But we, yeah, I think just because of Regina and Tammy and and how, and again, like the space they gave to us and, you know, those, those scenes work if the, if the acting dynamic is right. Yeah. And so everything was set up to kind of help that. And I think having walls that came down and having cameras strategically placed so they felt like they were outside of our way, meant that we could we could play more and we could not feel but you know when they're coming in for coverage you know they came in for coverage and it felt yeah. you know as 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 all film sets do you know quite you technical said, and, you mentioned in passing earlier on you said well I can't really sing but you are musical i mean you come from you come from a musical background don't you i mean i just i imagine that you can sing i do you know what i've been auditioning the last week for a, a big um musical Right. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. So I'm probably not going to get it. But the conversation <laughs> has been about the fact that I'm not a singer. You know, I'm not a trained singer and I'm certainly not a musical theater singer. And I've been working with a singing teacher for the last three weeks. And I've done maybe, you know, seven or eight hours and working on a big song. And, and, uh, yeah, I've just been learning about the voice and it's not, it's not a, it's not as bad a voice as I thought, but it's certainly not no like... No shit. I mean... If we, <laughs> if we were talking about doing eight shows a week, 
Yeah. It's not happening. Do you know what I mean? It's not happening. But if it was a musical in a film and we just needed to make sure we could get through the song a few times and record it, then that's kind of different. Or if it's in a low key or a high key and realizing, I think the F sharp or the A flat, like what my figuring out what my range is. Yeah. But listen, my granddad, my granddad's, my granddad's brothers were jazz musicians in, in New York in the, in the forties and fifties. My dad's a musician. And, um, yeah. So it's kind of in the blood Kingsley. I mean, you know, there's no getting away from it. You, it's kind of in the blood, right? I'm a little, I, I like music, you know, I feel musical, but there's a difference between feeling musical and liking music and being able to sing. That's like two, <laughs> that's two different things. Um, and yeah, and I had a whole thing. Like, there was a Sam Cooke movie that was happening maybe six or seven years ago, and I remember auditioning for it and just, yeah, the singing, the, the singing was what lost me the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, I have seen plenty of movies, musical movies, which feature people who cannot sing. Right. And, you know, and, and they've, you know, they, they've gone away with it. But I, you know, I, I guarantee you'd have a great voice. Okay, so, so, so you've auditioned for that, or you, that's, it may or may not happen. What yeah. is happening? What do we know that we will see you in now, next, coming, what's coming up? I, one, one Night in Miami is the film that, that I'm promoting. I don't have anything coming out in six months. You know, I'm trying to work out what the next story I want to be a part of is, and there's a few things going on, but nothing, nothing's set. Yeah, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything and then jinx it. I probably just jinxed that musical by talking about it, so that's probably <laughs> not going to happen now. And uh, there's a couple of things I'm, ho- I'm hopefully going to tie up in the next few weeks, but I feel like if I say them out loud, then that's the sure way to make sure they they won't happen. Um, but I, for the last, you know, the last year really, but especially the last two months, or especially the last four weeks since the movies come out. I feel like I've read more. I think I've, I feel like I've read more scripts in the last three weeks than I've read in the last three years. Yeah. So it's it's I'm 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 just getting used to reading that much and how learning how to pace out a day so that you can read three scripts in a day if you have to and how my brain works in that way and how you need breaks and you know so the work for me has really been reading and meeting loads of interesting directors and creative people on Zoom. And uh, I've really been enjoying that. And I felt really, I felt really stimulated and occupied and busy doing it. And I feel like I I have been at work. I just haven't been on a set and you know, there's a whole bunch next week. And, and, uh, and I'm really enjoying that part of it because I ha- if people say like, what's next and, and uh, what's your dream part and stuff. And I go, well, actually I've, I've always, dreamed about being in a situation where I get to read scripts you know I've always yeah. dreamed about getting to like have a dialogue with you know a director about a vision and story and to talk about story and character and actually being able to take a moment to go like what could I bring to this as opposed to desperately scrambling around just trying to get a gig yeah. so that shift to me is the gift that Regina has given me. And, uh, and I, and I, uh, even though I'm not, I don't have anything set at the moment that I'm going into this to me feels like such a special point. And, um, and yeah, and a part of the work that I'm really, 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 really enjoying. I want to ask you one last thing. You said rather beautifully then you said, uh, I've been doing this stuff on zoom and I love it. 
And uh, I, I honestly, I cannot remember the last time somebody said to me, I love Zoom. Because having, you know, after a year of, of everything, I think everyone's getting to the point that it's like I'm no more Zoom, no <laughs> yeah. more Zoom is kind yeah. of the, uh, the the thing. But it's, it is, what's really lovely is to hear the enthusiasm, to hear the, to hear how fired up you are by it, to hear that sense of grasping all these possibilities. And I think that's brilliant. Um, I think it's absolutely deserved. As I said, the, the nomination, congratulations on that. But, you know, congratulations on, on the film and, and, uh, and the extraordinary, extravagantly bright future that you clearly have ahead of you um at the point when you're being showered with awards and all the rest of it please come back and talk to us and remember we were there at the beginning um it's been really nice to speak to you i wish you all the best with the craziness of awards season and uh yeah let us know if you get the musical because i'm kind of really excited by the sound of that i look forward to talking to you again man i watch your show all the time all the time you've got uh, your voice is just it's pretty surreal you're having this conversation with me right now so i look forward to the next time we get a chance to do it again lovely to speak to you take care you too mark all right take care bye Well, there we are. My thanks to my guest, Kingsley Benadir. You can find One Night in Miami now on Amazon Prime Video. Thanks so much for listening to this Kermit on Film podcast. If you've enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, tell your friends, go over to our Patreon page where there's loads of video extras. Stay safe. Keep watching the skies. Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.